0: Your Positive, positive, positive. Imprint, 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 imprint. Stories are everywhere.
1: People and their positive action inspire positive achievements. Your PI could mean the world to you. Get ready for
0: Your Positive Imprint.
1: Hello, this is Catherine, your host of the podcast Your Positive Imprint. Well, I'm starting today differently with a poem that I wrote for my parents when I was a teenager. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. When I sit down and try to remember, everything I did, it would take forever. There are so many memories that sit in my mind, my childhood activities I have left behind. My beautiful memories are for me to hold, priceless stories that cannot be sold. There is one attachment to my wonderful past, an attachment that gave me memories to last. The attachment is my amazing father and mother, there is no other. These two people gave me so much love, pure, pure love as white as a dove. They have given me happiness, which fills my life and memories for nice dreams while asleep at night. One remembrance that sticks in my mind was in the first grade way back in time. I never wanted my mom to leave. I cried and cried and boy, did I plead. I must have given her a hard time, but she did well, she did quite fine. I remember learning to ride a two-wheel bike, which is not as easy as flying a kite. My daddy took the back end of the seat, pushed forward gently, and ran along with his feet. I was so scared of falling off, I thought dad was mad, but he was not. It was an experience for the two of us, and being afraid, there was absolutely no fuss camping backpacking fishing my what fun all are great and all of these we have done one trip so crazy and isolated was backpacking the whole family went on a day like spring the day was wonderful up at lake catherine a bright warm sun with a slight little wind night fell over us and the moon came out the wind got strong and out came the clouds hail started and the thunder banged down came the tent of the other gang. The three of them were drenched and cold. One tent was down. I hope the other will hold. There will be seven of us sleeping in one little tent. The other collapsed because a pole was bent. It was nice with all of us together, feeling the thunder vibes and the terrible weather. I really enjoyed it quite a bit. This was a beautiful backpacking trip. I remember doing a dance all by myself. I did it alone without no one's help. It was a dance to a John Denver country song, a good song and not too long. That look that was on my parents' face, I could never imitate. It was a look of being so proud of their daughter dancing in front of a crowd. My mom and dad put me through ballet and piano. I don't regret any of it, not at all, oh no. They let me take gymnastics and let me ski, Their love and support, there is no fee. Because my parents let me do these things, I have a personality that is not dull nor boring. I also have memories so precious to hold, many memories I have and many I have told. Back to the wilderness in which we visit, a talent so wonderful, so very perfect. The talent is being able to love nature and enjoying the peace it is so pure. My family has many memories in the outside, Memories so beautiful, and memories we don't hide. It's not only me that has all the memories, but also my sister's brother and my parents indeed. To put everything in the simplest words, having great parents as happy as birds, gives me the memories to always remember. And with my parents, they can remember together our family trips and backpacking days, and they can remember their children and our ways. They remember teaching us how to ride a bike and going up in trees to rescue our kites. I am glad that no other parents watched my brother and sisters and me grow up. Now my parents have beautiful memories, memories from childhood to the birds and the bees. We enjoyed growing up with them and learning from them. We love our parents and we thank them for the memories we all hold. Lady, our dog, also thanks them so very much. Well, hello, this is Catherine, your host of Your Positive Imprint, the variety show podcast featuring positive imprints from around the world, exceptional people rising to the challenge. Thank you so much for joining me and listening to the show from my website, yourpositiveimprint.com or iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Overcast, or wherever you are listening. Oh, there goes a hummingbird. And you can follow me on Instagram where you can find photos of the guests and much more. You can also follow me on Facebook, Your Positive Imprint. I'm just listening to the hummingbird. Connect with me on LinkedIn. And I have a new YouTube channel, Your Positive Imprint. And in fact, if you need a mask or you know of somebody who needs a mask, check out my YouTube video at Your Positive Imprint. And the video is called from shoes for the masses to masks for the masses. My video will give you information and details on how you can obtain a free mask that's being made by My 360 Project. (laughs) Well, it's Mother's Day in the United States and other parts of the world. So happy Mother's Day to you and your families. Well, Mother's Day is a little bit different for my family as we have to celebrate individually with our mom. Yes, I'm protesting that too, Mr. Stellars J. But my mom, Victoria Sanchez, is the guest on today's Mother's Day episode. So I sat in her backyard. I did wear a mask because I have been around the grocery store, but my mother has not been out of the house except for walks since this whole thing started a number of weeks ago. She will return to her active life of a lifetime of positive imprints as soon as, well, my gosh, we don't know when that is. But because I was with my mom for a while, as I also dropped off groceries, I sat probably farther apart from her than what I needed to. But I am being super cautious. Well, we lost my dad at Christmas 2017 very suddenly. And my account of that holy night may be found on julie cluff's podcast build a life after loss when i was a guest on her show and her episode featuring me was called episode 63 honoring our grief Catherine praisewater well for mother's day and and i'm mentioning it because for mother's day my gift to my mom is to share with you her positive imprints but of course Her positive imprints for her are about my dad and about my siblings. But anyway, Happy Mother's Day to all of you and to my mom who was sharing my heritage with you on today's episode. And the music for this podcast is composed by the very talented Chris Null. I featured his wife on the podcast just this week, Jennifer Null. And she provides an insight into the world of yoga and the benefits to yoga and meditation. So check her out. And of course, as always, thank you, Chris Knoll, for the amazing music. That's chrisknoll.com. Stay well, everybody. Be happy and continue making those positive imprints. What's your PI? I cannot believe that I am sitting over here with my mother wearing a mask. And gloves, but it is the era. Anything to keep
0: you safe. Thank you, dear. <laughs> I hope that doesn't mean that I'm getting older and older and older. Well, we all are getting older
1: and older, but so Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. Thank you, dear. <laughs> Thank you. Last year on Mother's Day, we did Reflections of Motherhood. This year, We're going to do reflections of your volunteer work, which continue today, and also some reflections of some of our family trips, because those trips were definitely a positive imprint for all of us kids' lives. And I know the stories that you and Dad share, as we grow up and as we would be out in the wilderness or out on a boat fishing, you always shared something that gave us life values. So mom, hello. Well,
0: hello, oh dear.
1: <laughs> One of the things I, I would love listeners to know is why I love doing this show, which is bringing positive imprints from around the world to people on the podcast who are listening. And so I want to start with your modeling of this with all of the volunteer work that you and
0: dad did. It would be very hard to describe it all in such a short period. But we always said, if there is some good that you can do, you will pass away, but once, you need to do that good. And we started out early in our marriage. We never ever sold anything. And I remember when your father was at Georgetown Law School and we were in Washington, D.C., we gave away a beautiful maple uh, living room set, the couch and the chair, and I remember the family that got it was so thrilled, and so it has been, always, all through our life that we were always involved in doing something for somebody else. Your father received the Distinguished Public Service Award It was for many, many activities.
1: Well, I want to mention something. When you were in Washington, D.C., you didn't have a lot of money. But
0: yet, you see. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that ever true? <laughs> uh, we lived on a budget, and the budget was something like a thirty-five cents a day, and that included. Uh, we had a young baby by then, and then by and by, the, we had two young babies before he graduated with his master's in international law. And yes, that was true, uh, but we did it, and uh, we were happy to do it. We were, we were overjoyed with each other. So then, of course, we moved to Albuquerque, and had many, many activities. One of them, uh, I was reflecting. In the 70s, we were both involved in church activities. Uh, he was parish council president, and uh, several years later, I followed him as the first female parish council president. We were elected by the parish, and he was also president of the Holy Name Society, etc but always we were involved in activities that benefited people. And one of the first was, we were uh, working with engaged couples. At that time, there were only two uh, parishes in the city of Albuquerque that had these uh, engaged couple um, that they had to do. And there were three days. The first day the Monsignor took, the second day a doctor and nurse took, And the third day your father and I took and covered everything else like communication and so on. Sometimes we would have 60 couples. Oh my goodness. And we were the ones that awarded, well, because there weren't that many parishes offering the pre-Cana conferences. And I remember, (laughs) the reason I bring it up is that in 2017 your father and I were at a luncheon of the uh, Hispanic Genealogical Society And sitting next to us was a couple. And they said, we remember you. You gave us the pre-CANA conferences, and we're going to celebrate our 40th anniversary next month. But how could they remember us? But they did. A lot of times when we were in shopping centers, people would come up to us. They thanked us for the pre-CANA conferences, but I thought it was pretty unusual after 40 years
1: that's marvelous. That's wonderful. What positive imprints,
0: Mom. <laughs> <laughs> it was different. Um, we were involved in scouting, your father and I. He and the Boy Scouts, I and the Girl Scouts. Your father served on the Southwest Council for the Boy Scouts, as well as being very active in our Boy Scout troop at church. I was the Girl Scout leader uh, for like 11, last, years. 11 years, Eleven Four mm-hmm. daughters. 11 years, a junior Girl Scout leader. And I had the largest troop, 46 girls. You're not supposed to go over 32 and they wanted us to register as two troops. But I said, no, we're one troop. And the girls loved it. We We had lots of fun. We did, we had a lot of activities. We went to Girl Scout camp, we did the cookies,
1: we did. I remember tying bread bags for jump
0: ropes but it was for a fundraiser. No, it was to show you that you could use everyday things. Oh, okay. We had lots of service activities uh, that we did. We made bibs for Casa Angelica, which is a, um, in a, in a, a living facility for very, very developmentally disabled, mentally and physically, kids. kids. And they house only 24. Your father and his Civitan group built a therapeutic park for them. Uh, that took more than a year. It's the most gorgeous park. They started out with vacant lots with bottles and whatnot in the lot. and had the University of New Mexico uh, Architecture Department uh, drop a blueprint for the facility, and they built it. Then beautiful. And now Civitan,
1: I have international listeners, as you know, and Civitan is international. But can you give a description, a short little
0: summary of what Civitan is? Civitan is a service organization that is particularly directed to developmentally uh, disabled, and a lot of the research that is supported by Civitan um, is with developmentally disabled. And their headquarters in the United States is in Alabama. In the community, they do many, many service projects. They've been to Ronald McDonald House, Casa Esperanza, which is a facility where families can stay at reasonable cost when they have people in the hospital for cancer. To list all the projects would be take all day, but uh, that one they did um, painting, the parking lot, the landscaping, and so on. There's not one organization in Albuquerque uh, that supports people in need that, that Sandia Civitan has not been there to help. Uh, Albuquerque Speech and Hearing Center, and put in concrete ramps, uh, painted, the landscaping. I mean, it goes on and on and on. And dad was a founder of Zandia Civitan Chapter, right? Uh, he, yes, indeed. He was one of the founding members. He was a member for 46 years. During that time, one of the things that he also did, uh, because he was a judge, and he saw how underappreciated uh, the policemen are, So he instituted the uh, recognition of policemen uh, once a month for the uniformed officer of the month. And Civitan would honor them with a breakfast and a check. And of course, this policeman enjoyed it because they didn't get very much positive civic uh, applause for their work in the community or recognition. And today, of course, we recognize both a uniformed and a non-uniformed officer of the month and one of the times uh, when your father was alive, he died in 2017, December. Um, one of the officers remembered coming to the house as he signed many search warrants. And she said that was the highlight of her career. She had spent, she had retired 20 years and then gone back as a uniformed officer. And there she was, Officer of the Month. And her favorite memory of the first 20 years was coming to the house for search warrants. And that was unusual for a police officer. Well, you
1: have to remember what we did
0: when police officers came. You
1: had sandwiches, cookies. Dad would turn on the coffee machine. We had water. We had bags of food for them. Us kids served. I mean, and Dad was available. I remember asking Dad, Dad, why do we have to be published for telephone why why can't we go unpublished because we get people calling that i'm uncomfortable with as a little girl and dad said he would never do that to the policemen who need to get search warrants he said we have a duty to protect the citizens
0: so he was always available yes and uh, as a judge he was highly regarded um when it came time to election time, never did he have an opponent running against him. Uh, the judiciary and the bar association had too much respect for him, and uh, he was recognized for that as he received every award that the bar association could possibly give him. And, and while we're
1: talking about the bar association,
0: you know, I'm a political
1: science major with communications minor, so I used to go to Santa Fe with Dad pretty frequently. To learn lobbying and to go up and see what he
0: was doing with regard to judicial education. One of the things that your father did, uh, he recognized he had served on the Judicial Standards Commission, and while serving on that commission, he recognized the fact that judges needed uh, additional education. And so he wrote a grant and he got the grant but then he needed further funding to keep the program going. And he founded the Judicial Education Center and uh, he lobbied the, not only the legislature but the Supreme Court. He went, as you say, week, day after day, lobbying the legislature. Mm-hmm. And it, uh, he got several folks to carry the bill and of course it did, as you know, pass. And today, uh, some 20, oh, let's think, can't even think how long it is oh longer than that because 2030 yeah. maybe 30 years of the he has the judicial education center and it is named after him at the law school the Roserie Sanchez Judicial Education Center yeah but one of the things when you're talking about doing for the community when he first got on the bench one of the first things he did was change the procedure for arraigning mentally ill patients. It used to be they had one day for arraignment, Fridays, and they all all the prisoners would come in, and your father said that was not good. So the arrangement he made was they were to be arraigned at the hospital via television, and uh, they did not have to come into the courtroom for those arraignments. And then he did more than that. He founded a court clinic. He was responsible for the court clinic Again, he had to go to the legislature for that. And the court clinic uh, was to service folks in the mentally ill area and in domestic uh, relations cases in the hopes that uh, they could settle things in the court clinic without going to court. Or if they did go to court, uh, they would not be at loggerheads with one another, particularly in domestic relations cases. Today, that court clinic is still in existence. It did, of course, go to the legislature for funding, and New Mexico has many small counties, and the small counties said, why should Bernalillo County get everything? You know, we don't have a, a court clinic. Your father said, indeed, anyone in the, in the state who wants to come to our court clinic, we will accommodate them. And with that, the bill passed for the funding, and to this day, the court clinic is in existence, and yes, indeed, they do send people from some of the outlying counties, and they are accommodated in the port clinic. And it is very successful in the work that it has done. One of the things that you may remember is going to Ghost Ranch. I do remember going to Ghost Ranch. <laughs> <laughs> well, Your father also served for the archdiocese on the interchurch agency, and this was part of an ecumenical um, discussion group that your father was involved in but the whole family got to go and it was kind of fun it was fun
1: we got to go horseback riding I had to go to uh, nursery school
0: yeah I hated it because
1: <laughs> my siblings got to be in the outdoors I did not want to be in that nursery school put me in the outdoors I'm happy well
0: <laughs> it, it was uh, just one of the things that we did along yeah. the way right uh, so many many things I was always involved with the uh, the women's guild and I was a, an officer. We always supported each other in whatever it was that we did. Your father uh, always ran the annual clergy day. International Civitan honors the clergy on the first Friday in February. And it honors particularly the four chaplains that went down with the USS Dorchester in the North Atlantic. And so he he did that. Casa Angelica, New Mexico Special Olympics. Too many to name. But let me tell you one story. Uh, Sandia always has Christmas baskets. And I still continue your father's tradition of delivering Christmas baskets. Uh, Sandia Civitan delivered 50. When I was teaching at this inner city school, I always went to the counselor and I got a list of 20. And uh, your father uh, would go to those with somebody. I went with him one time, but it was bad that the students recognized me. So after that, somebody too went from Civitan uh, for those kids. There were some other baskets besides delivering the ones for Civitan. We delivered personal baskets and we used to do five of those at Christmas. But let me tell you how one of them came about. Your father had been to this parish and um, He had taken something there, I don't remember what, and he came home and he said, dear, uh, will you get two coats, one for a boy and one for a girl? And I said, yes, what size? And he looked at me and said, oh. So he called the secretary back and she said, uh, the boy is 12 and the girl is 16. So I purchased beautiful jackets, uh, you know, winter clothing. The secretary called back and she said, the girl loved hers. But the boys is too small, and I said, "Well, in that case, well, why don't you have them meet us at the at our shopping center, and uh, you know she can go in and pick out the jacket." Okay, so the girls was fine. The boys—he was twelve—and I'd gotten an extra large, eighteen to twenty in the boys. I said, "Keep that one because somebody, somebody can use it. Give it to whoever needs." So we met the folks at this shopping center, and lo and behold, they were great-grandparents bringing up these two kids. Well, great-grandma picked out um, a medium men's for the boy, and that's what fit him. And then afterwards, I said to the church secretary, great-grandparents, my goodness. And she said, yes, it's hard. And I said, they will be on our Christmas basket list. And for more than a decade, they were on our Christmas basket list. And I always included something to delight the heart. Uh, some years it might've been candles, kitchen linens, Christmas ones, um, ornaments that I made for the tree, red chili ornaments, uh, they were delightful. And then in years, uh, the years that came along, the grandkids asked if, uh, first a grandson asked if he could help grandpa deliver, and so he did. And uh, that was Christopher. That was Christopher. And he delivered for a number of years and uh, until he went away to another college. But he happened to be a freshman at the University of New Mexico, and he was on the Lobo basketball team. And they happened to interview them for uh, Christmas. And the question they asked was What is your favorite memory about Christmas? And all of the other players' favorite memories had to do with food or the gifts that they received, but not Chris. He said he remembered the time that he and his grandpa were out delivering Christmas baskets. And they had delivered them all and went to the church to leave one last one because there was a family who needed an extra basket. And while they were there, a lady came out of the church hall crying because they ran out of turkeys. The secretary turned to uh, Rozier and said, do we have another turkey? And he said no, and then Chris popped up and he said, oh yes we do, there's one left. And so there wasn't a basket, but there was a turkey left, and that was Chris's favorite memory of Christmas time. Needless to say, when his parents saw that article, they were thrilled. About uh, the next year, Chris went away to a different college, and then a granddaughter said, Grandpa, can I help you deliver baskets? And he said yes,
1: and that was Carmen.
0: That was Carmen, and Carmen delivered with him And of course, one of the ones that we always deliver to, the great-grandparents. And one year, Carmen came to me and she said, Grandma, look what she gave me. And I looked and I said, Carmen, this is her wedding prayer book. Oh my. (laughs) And it wasn't too long after that that she died. Her husband had died just a few months earlier But they brought up those great-grandchildren. Yeah. So, but I continue to deliver Christmas baskets. And as you know, I get your husband to go with me. Yes. And I get the grandkids. And um, that's just something that we do and will continue to do. There have just been many, many things throughout the years. But now let's go to some fun things. Go to a backpacking trip. Oh, which one? (laughs) Well, I'm going to talk about two of them. I'm going to talk about your first backpacking trip. You were not quite seven.
1: I remember. And we went down to the
0: Gila Wilderness, which is. And you had, uh, you have three older siblings and one younger. The younger one was five. She was too little, so she and I stayed back. We had a tent trailer at the campground, and you went on your backpacking trip. We have talked
1: about the night before.
0: Oh, the night before.
1: That was a blast. We had
0: been hiking as a family, and we saw elk tracks. Ah. and um, uh, it was near a, a small little pond so um, that night your father said you want to see the elk we'll go at night and you'll see them and you and your older siblings went to see the elk well,
1: we had flashlights
0: and we took off
1: and when we got to the lake it was or the pond it was there were no elk yet and we hunkered down like we're supposed to and be really quiet we had the cameras ready suddenly the elk calves started showing up first and going into the pond and then the moms were right behind them and they came into the pond and soon i mean there were elk all over the place and we're filming it was starting to get dark but one of the cows had seen us behind the log and she grunted and i think she flashed water. I can't remember. So dad said, you know, it's time. Our observations are done. They have seen us. We need to leave. So we left and we had to use our flashlights coming back. And that was just so much fun to be able to sit there with the family and
0: see those elk coming out. It was only about two miles, I think, to the pond on that trail. Well, anyway, so the next day it was time for your first backpacking trip. So... You and your uh, siblings, the three older ones, went off on your backpacking trip. And it was uh, several days, two nights and three days. Uh, You covered 14 miles. And your younger sister and I were going to pick you up where you were getting out at Snow Lake. Off you went. And then Linda and I were there at the appointed time. Uh, Noon, you were coming out, and boy, you were tired. I was. Your pooped. your your ba- your backpack was with your sister, and you were exhausted, and so. But that was your first backpacking trip, Yes. and you enjoyed it. It was a great trip in the Gila. While Linda and I were waiting, the uh, snow lake turned over, and uh, but I wouldn't let Linda go in and scoop the fish out with your hands. And explain what it means for a lake to turn over. To turn over that means that the oxygen is no longer there. The bottom of the lake has come up and the oxygen is gone for the fish and they're going to die. And we tried fishing with our, you now Linda at five, she was accomplished. She could cast and so on. But I will tell you, of course, the fish weren't biting and all the other people were scooping the fish out with their hands. But I told Linda, no, no, that's not legal. That's not what you do. <laughs> so well, that's what we didn't, get it, as, as a result, we didn't get any fish and all the other folks had more than their limit, they filled their, their coolers. But that's the way it is. Probably an anecdote that's kind of a family story. Uh, your brother had some surgery. So although he was 10, uh, he had to recuperate. So he was with you and your two siblings and myself oh, at a campground in the campground in the Pecos. Uh, your father took the two oldest and they went backpacking in the Pecos which is a very famous uh, park in New Mexico, and a lot of wonderful trails and a lot of wonderful history. On the way back, they met two young ladies on their way up, and so your father was talking with the two young ladies, and uh, so happened they were topless. (laughs) (laughs) And your two older siblings said, do you think Dad notices? They were trying to decide, do you think Dad notices? And so then they got off the trail and they came and asked me, they said, Mom, uh, this is what happened. And we met these two girls, blah, blah, blah. And do you think dad noticed? And I said, of course he noticed girls. <laughs> but he didn't let on, of course. <laughs> Hi. Yeah. On one trip, we went backpacking as a family to Lake Catherine. First, we went to Spirit Lake and then Stewart Lake. And then Catherine, which was higher than Stuart, and Rocky. And that one was, let's see, Catherine must be at 11,000? No, Catherine, uh, a little more than that. Oh, no, it's okay. one of the higher ones. I'll have to look it up again. Yeah. So we had uh, two tents, two three-man tents. We had a little incident at the campfire where the oldest, your oldest sibling. Mary. Who needed glasses and contacts and so on. Somehow she managed to stumble without her contacts on into the support of the tent, and it kind of um, bent the pole. That's right. (laughs) Not kind of. It did. It broke. (laughs) Well, that night, it thundered. It did. And Lake Catherine sits in a bowl. Yes. And uh, it hailed, and it echoed that thunder. I remember. Oh yes, It, it echoed. It reverberated throughout. And it hailed and it went on for quite a while. And uh, the and top of our tent. Because I was
1: so worried about the wildlife.
0: Well, the top of our tent, you were in my tent, was coming yes. down. And you woke up and said, What's that? And I said, Nothing, go back to sleep. And I was holding it up. I didn't know why it was coming down. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> our tent flap got unzipped and in came the other three from the other tent. Their tent had collapsed. They were all wet and shivering. Ow. That would be Dad, Carol, and Robert. Uh-huh, and so they were in our sleeping bags. The next morning, we got up and used squaw wood to start a fire and had our hot cakes and hot chocolate, etc. And in the campground was a lady who had hypothermia. My brother, the hero! Oh, <laughs> your father, too. Well, yeah. That lady sat by our campfire while we plied her with coffee and so on. And Robert, and Robert went, Robert went down. Fish. He went down to the lake and caught some fish. <laughs> and she had no protection. She was from San Francisco. No, I don't know what she was thinking, but not very well prepared. She said she wanted to live off the land. Well, we left her our black tarp that we used to cover our backpacks, and we left her a frying pan and some other things and the fish to cook. Then we went out of there, and uh, that was the end of that backpacking trip. We were young. We were So young nice. that you jogged back to the parking lot and uh, one of the reasons you jogged back so we could, could get back in time to get the dog out of the kennel. And your our son came back to get my backpack so I would be faster. He'd already yeah. put his in the car. So those are fond, fond memories. Yeah, and then after that trip, we begged you, next time we go
1: backpacking, we are taking the dog. And we did. And we did. Poor lady.
0: We- <laughs> no, she had fun. It was a blast. We both loved the mountains, and as a result of so many trips, hiking trips, so on, you kids, all of you, love, love the mountains. Fun. But we did. It one. is part of your
1: heritage. It is. It is, and we did. I mean, we lived in the mountains, so there was one trip, if, if you don't mind talking about it. But, but Mexico. Oh. <laughs> we went to Mexico.
0: That was a camping trip. It was we, camping. We went down to Guaymas and to San San Carlos Bay, and it was over Christmas, and uh, we had a tent trailer. Uh, The tent trailers left eight, and the campground that we had made reservations, we were the only tent trailer. The others were people who came down, I think, to spend the winter, because it was over Christmas that we went, and they were quite fancy. But one of the things that, uh, one of the Indians, uh, local Indians came through, I wanted to practice my Spanish, he wanted to practice his English, so we both kind of did it. And uh, he was selling blankets, and I told him as good as well as I could in Spanish, you know, that I wanted to pay him a fair price, but I didn't want to bargain. He should just tell me uh, what the price was that he would make money off of, and so on. And that's the way we worked it. And so I got a blanket. And what you kids did, and you can tell this story at yes. some ungodly hour in the morning. So when we got there, it was so exciting because it was the ocean,
1: Yes. and there was a beach. Well, not exactly a beach. It was. A, it was a beach. It was a beach, but not. But not swimmer. an organized beach. Right. It, it was. Yeah. It was rocky, mm-hmm. and it was really meant for wildlife, not for swimming, because it was just too rocky, too dangerous. Yes. So we went down there, and we saw some pretty interesting critters. And there we saw, I think, an octopus. Heard the seals. There were two gentlemen, and we asked them if we could see the seals ever because we could hear them. And he said, you have to get here early in the morning to see them because they come out on the beach area on the rocks, and they get up in the morning before the sun, and they go out. And he said, 3.30. I said, okay. So I asked Dad if I could get up at 3.30 and go down to see the sea lions, and he said yes. I went to bed with my clothes on, and Linda and I shared a sleeping bag. So I woke her up and asked her if she wanted to go. She said no. So I left. I took the flashlight, and I went down. And I found a rock, and I sat on that rock. And I will tell you, the sun coming up and all those sea lions going out from around me and heading back into the ocean. I didn't bother them. They didn't bother me. It was incredible. And then Dad...
0: <laughs> he ran, ran running across... To see where you
1: were. Well, but when everyone woke up, Mary said, this is the story that Mary told. Mary woke up, and she said, oh, where's Catherine? And Dad said, well, maybe she's outside. And Linda said, no, she went to go see the seals. That's right. And because I had awakened Linda and asked if she wanted to go. And so Dad really didn't think I did. But when I wasn't anywhere
0: around, he took off. We had a great trip to... Mario,
1: very handsome oh, I forgot Mario. About that. Oh, yes.
0: We went fishing with Mario. We should not have been on that boat. Oh, because I don't remember any life preservers. What were we thinking? So we went fishing with Mario in uh, San was, Carlos Bay. He was a local guide. He was a local guide and very handsome indeed. Yes. As the girls observed. And uh, so we went out, and when a big fishing boat came by with its wake, boy, we had a problem. He, it was a good thing that he knew how to manage his boat, but we caught fish. It was a And I remember boat. your youngest, Linda, trying to pull up those sea bass from the bottom. Oh, we had great fun. We caught sea bass and red snapper. Yeah, I remember the red snapper. And then uh, Mario took them up to the ice house where they froze them and packaged them, whatever. But we, it was fun. It was a fun trip. I think I was eight years old. Yeah, when we came back, we went through uh, Saguaro National Monument in Arizona. Arizona. Yeah. Yeah. I brought back some tiny little seed packets for the Saguaro, but they never grew. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) Oh, well, so be it. Yeah, that was one of our trips. We had the tent trailer, and uh, like I said before, we never ever sold anything. So when it came time that your father and I could no longer uh, take care of the tent trailer, we weren't using it as often. We gave it to a church for its uh, bazaar, or whatever you call it, in the fall. But I will tell you that I cried when we got home.
1: Oh, I didn't know that.
0: Well, <laughs> yes, I did.
1: Well, you guys got rid of the trailer not even that long
0: ago. Yeah. All our lifetime we spent doing things. Always, just and community you do a lot activities. Of work too, oh, I-, I forgot to tell you. Yes. I forgot, Open space. Oh, yes. After retirement, there were two things that uh, primarily were our, were our activities. Uh, your father became the judge pro tem for the water rights adjudication in the northwestern part of our state. That adjudication accounts for 60 percent of the water in New Mexico, and in New Mexico, water rights is a very big issue. There were five river basins that had to be adjudicated, and uh, the case was had been filed 30 years prior but had never been prosecuted. So the first thing your father did was a special master to see if the state engineer would indeed have the funds to prosecute the case. And uh, all the people were very worried, so his first hearing he had several hundred folks there. To make a long story short, uh, he did decide to prosecute but I did go with him to every hearing. I went to some of those too. Your father had a special uh, site online uh, that was transparent so everybody could see every hearing, every letter, everything that ever happened in that case. Uh, it was perfectly transparent. And, uh, but I had notes for him so that when he got home, he could, there were so many attorneys involved, it went pretty fast. Uh, that he could look at the notes before uh, the court stenographer gave them to him. And, of course, he had his judicial assistant up there as well. But so that was one of the things. And the other thing that we did, we became open space volunteers and coyotes, cultural interpreters for the environment. And each of us has over a 1,000 hours. And uh, as cultural interpreters for the environment, we would take school groups on guided nature hikes. We would do that with the educational coordinator for the city of Albuquerque's open space. And uh, we would divide uh, our little talk beforehand into three. The coordinator would talk about trail etiquette, Rozier would talk about the geology, and I would talk about the flora and fauna. And then we would divide into three groups. Rozier would always get the Spanish speakers, the coordinator and I, the other two, the teacher would divide them. And those were great fun, and great fun for the kids. For a lot of them, uh, they had not been to the mountains. For those of your listeners who do not know uh, the joys of living in our great city, Albuquerque is at a mile high height. The mountains themselves go up to over 10,000 feet, 10,635 feet. And this was in the foothills. Open space has a lot of land. We have trails running along the base of the mountain from the interstate to the crest, 18 miles, and then the trails intersect. And on the other side of the mountain is Forest Service, and the trails come up from that side of the mountain, the east side of the mountain. And uh, we're very blessed to have a mountain that we can look at, relax. And on the other side of Albuquerque, we have the Rio Grande, and we have Petroglyph National Monument. We have petroglyphs, more than 20,000 of them. Most of them made uh, by the various Indian pueblos 1300 and 1600 AD. Uh, We do have some older ones, those are fewer. The majority made between 1300 and 1600. We have a developed site and several that are not. But as I say, over 20,000 petroglyphs. And the Rio Grande... And explain
1: what a petroglyph is.
0: A petroglyph is uh, found on a rock, a granite rock, and it has been made on the basalt covering on the rock that came from the volcano that was extruded uh, 15 to 20,000 years ago. And to do that uh, pecking at the rock, uh, they usually went to the river where they could find a hard rock. And you're talking about Native Americans. Exactly. Uh, Would find a hard rock that would do that. The marvelous thing is that they didn't make any mistakes on their peckings there was no way to erase it, so they must have been very good at what they did. And it was all on that oxidized layer on the basalt uh, that they could use the rock to make their um, their petroglyphs.
1: So do you remember that story with the very elderly gentleman? Oh, of course I do. Uh, that is an amazing story.
0: Uh, because that man was so happy. Oh, because, uh, pr- your father was preceded by two judges who didn't do anything, but this elderly gentleman had gone to them and asked them if they would uh, see if he had water rights. And the, the last judge assured him that he would hear his case, but he he did not. And then your father came, and so the, the gentleman came to your father. And, and he'd been waiting, he'd been waiting for a decade. And so your father said, uh, uh, I'm, I will hear your case. You, you've been waiting. And so he uh, told the state engineer that they were going to hear that he was going to schedule that case. And the state engineer said, no, Judge, let's wait until we get to his ditch. But if your father said, no, that man has been waiting too long. I am scheduling it. So your father scheduled it. The state, attor- state engineer came with three attorneys, and the man represented himself. His name started with a C. I can't remember now. But anyway, he represented himself and your father heard the case. At the end of the case, and your father usually made decisions from the bench. Uh, People did not have to wait around for 30 days for a decision. And he said, no, you do not have water rights. And later on that gentleman wrote a letter to the judicial assistant. Nobody ever talked to the judge directly. That would be unethical. And your father was very strict. Uh, and, And he said, thank the judge. I'm so thankful to the judge for hearing this case. I have waited so long and now at least I know I don't have water rights. And within the year that man died, he passed away. Yeah, he but he got his day in court. I went up to every case and so on. One of them was a land, a landmark case that established new law. And it was when the uh, State Lands Commissioner Filed suit saying he had water rights on all the state lands. (laughs) And the attorney from Boulder representing the Ute Mountain Indians said, Judge, if he has water rights, we don't need the state engineer anymore. But um, there were lots of attorneys in the cases. You can guess the Navajo attorney always brought a couple from Shiprock with him, and the cities did, and so on. So, anyway, Uh, That was an interesting case. And that case, your father decided, he wrote, uh, that one he took three days. And he said he would have his decision in three days. And I remember the gentleman who was the attorney for the state land commissioner was so respectful and had such a great brief, And his wife was there to hear him present it. And uh, in three days the decision came out and it was decided against the state lands commissioner that they did not have water rights. Um, And Rozier wrote a five-page decision that was appealed, of course, to all the courts. It went up to the federal court. We were in uh, District 10 of the federal court system. It went to the appeals court, which wrote a lengthier decision than Rozier. They just embroidered, added on to used the same format, and just uh, fleshed it out some more. And it went to our Supreme Court and to the federal courts, and uh, it was all approved all along the way. At the same time, the state of Arizona had a case pending for 10 years, similar case, their state land commissioner, they had not even decided it yet. They'd uh, come on to this case as an amicus curiae, um, and there were several of those, but it was fun. So there's this other story because one of the things that
1: dad was really just so good at all the time was, being ethical, and being just, always social justice, and kindness, and compassion, and everything. And there was this gentleman, the gentleman from
0: the, the jail. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, there were two, two of those. But one of them uh, was later released from prison, and your older sister was attending the University of New Mexico, and he sat next to her and he started talking. He said, I have your father to thank for turning my life around. He sent me to the penitentiary, but this, this, and this occurred. And he said, I will forever thank him. And uh, she was...
1: Well, didn't Dad call him into his
0: chambers? That was a different one. He was telling Mary that, uh, that Dad saved his life, and he had turned it around, and he had your father to thank. Because other one was Mary with Dad yeah, before. Mary you know? always rode the bus, and so as dad. all of you did, as I did. And us, yeah. Your father got um, a national awards, the Hispanic National Bar Association. And he got two medals, one in 1988 and one in 1998. And it was for his commitment to the preservation of civil and constitutional rights for all Americans.
1: That's just such an amazing award. Well, now I want to go to something that you've been doing, which uh, you can use FaceTime now, but you've
0: been over at the VA hospital. Um, oh, that's just just one activity, dear.
1: I know, but but look at the difference you've made with those gentlemen.
0: Well, over there. Now we, one nobody. of our projects in Civitan, yes, and I, I miss my young man, and he misses me, I'm sure.
1: Well, he's only 36.
0: Yeah, uh, the Civitan uh, plays bingo for helps the veterans play bingo once a month at the VA hospital in the spinal cord unit. The one that I have been playing bingo with is someone who is completely paralyzed, who needs assistance of every kind. But I will tell you that we have fun playing bingo. If you've been in a hospital, you know that you enjoy treats and you like company. Yes. So I usually go early and I take, uh, I take uh, something for the, for the whole ward, the guys that are there. And it's different every time. And uh, my veteran, uh, I take care of it the at the end. And uh, they all enjoy the goodies. And they enjoy the bingo. It's put on by the paralyzed veterans of America. And God bless them. They work hard for their veterans, too. But I'm so glad that we can do that. And uh, my veteran is very happy when I come. I asked him, I said, do the veterans like to play bingo? And he said, some do and some don't. But I like to play bingo because it gets me out of the room once a month. Understand he is completely paralyzed, and uh, that means everything, so that he does need assistance with indeed everything. But we have a lot of fun playing bingo, and he will laugh at my jokes, so okay. <laughs> I have to come with something different every time. Well, maybe you can FaceTime. He can't do anything, I dear. I know, but maybe
1: the nurse can help.
0: The nurses are busy enough yeah. they have so he needs so many procedures done uh, they're busy and I'm sure all the others who are in that unit the spinal cord unit need just as many procedures during the day those nurses are are busy they're they're taking care of their patients and doing an excellent job
1: what have you been doing
0: during COVID-19 of course I'm, I'm sitting here I should, probably should since you just longer. did my shopping for me thank you very much <laughs> One of the things I try to do is to call uh, some of our older friends who are at home, who are widows, and uh, just talk to them because everybody needs social interaction. And so that's, I try to do that every day. I also, I enjoy, the Archbishop would love to hear this, I enjoy his noon mass uh, because then you get a feel what's going on in the archdiocese. He says a few words every now and then, but I enjoy his homilies. And uh, I also enjoy a rosary uh, from Lourdes. And the rosary is for people all over the world involved with the coronavirus in every which way. And it's really for all the people and for an end to the, for the pandemic. And uh, I love it because it's at Lourdes. I love the priests who lead the rosary and it's, it's, it's good. It's in France. And it is a grotto where the Blessed Virgin appeared to St. Bernadette during the 19th century. And many people go there on pilgrimage for the Blessed Virgin. Well, and
1: I'm looking at your garden. Your garden is absolutely gorgeous. My friend Helen Phillips out in Australia is anxious to see pictures of your garden. So I will take the pictures before I leave and send them. She is... Doing her
0: I'm sure that all over the world, people who have gardens, they're all going to be exemplary. We have all <laughs> this time to put to our garden. And uh, yes, uh, all the gardens will look beautiful.
1: And I haven't seen you wear ponytails since we've been hiking. So it's well,
0: you know, the hair does grow.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, how do you want to end this? And What inspirational words do you have for the world right now?
0: Oh, heavens. I think families are paramount. Love your family. Love your community. Love God. Take care of everybody. Accept everyone's best efforts. And I will say I miss my husband more than anything.
1: Well, I miss Dad too.
0: A lot. But we were blessed. And I think people need to recall how many blessings they have in their life. Whatever it may be, thank God for the blessings that you do have. And many you don't even know that you had, but you had many, many, many blessings. You just didn't recognize them at the time. Well, that's so true. God bless all the listeners. Well,
1: thank you, Mom. Well, happy Mother's Day. Oh, thank you.
0: But anyway. you are one
1: special mom and dad, one special dad. All of us kids are the way we are, successful. All of the grandkids, of course, the great grandkids are, we are all, we are because we've had the best role
0: models well thank you dear and indeed as a family we got the state family philanthropy award oh that's right yes
1: well it's been wonderful i know that we always sit and chat and i'm glad that you can share a little bit of motherhood service to the community and a little bit of fun times listeners like to hear the stories behind the scenes. So thank you, mom.